0: speaking with juan andres coriat he is a peruvian mountain athlete and adventure filmmaker and as my dear friend i know him as juancho and i extend my apologies as we giggle a whole lot in this episode so juancho isn't really a runner per se but he has indulged me in the past by joining me in some shorter trail runs In my opinion, I tend to think of alpinists and mountaineers as sort of ultra-ultra-endurance athletes and they just happen to train on the lowest gear for their sport. Wancho is a big kid. He is the type of person whose eyes are constantly filled with wonder and amazement at the world around him. This enthusiasm leads him to leap into adventures headfirst without the sort of fear of failure or even the sort of fear of success that paralyzes many of us. Wancho is currently working on a project called Skiing Peru, uh, through which he hopes to not only raise the profile of ski mountaineering or skimo in the Peruvian Andes, but also to open up new lines in really gigantic mountains, and also be the first Peruvian to ski many of them. The most impressive thing about this project is that Wancho didn't even learn to ski until he was 30 years old. In fact, he spent the early part of his adult years living in a seminary, studying to be a Catholic priest. So while he developed a little bit of an outdoor life, surfing and diving, growing up in Lima, uh, the years of really intensive spiritual practice meant that he's a pretty late bloomer uh, in the world of mountain sports. And that's really inspiring, What I love about Wancho is that this doesn't give him a chip on his shoulder or any inkling of imposter syndrome. For him, this late start just means that there's a lot left to learn, and he's open to learning it all. So while he's currently working on a skiing project, he really is an all-around adventure man. He's best known for his mountaineering adventure films, um, but he's also a prolific scuba diver and freediver. And he's currently focused on SkiMo, but he he wants to get that checked off the list pretty soon so he can get into base jumping. So in this episode, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about the challenges of skiing in in big mountains like the Peruvian Andes, the the long walk-ins, disappearing glaciers, things like that. But beyond the technical sporty stuff, we get into the juicy parts later in the conversation. So make sure you stick around. We talk about Juancho's brushes with death while spearfishing as a child, his relationship with God after leaving the seminary, repairing his relationship with his father through mountaineering together, and the gift of feeling fragile in the mountains. So thank you so much for sharing your precious time with me again today, and of course with Juan Andres. And I'll leave his social media links and links to his film projects in the show notes. Please subscribe if you're not already and leave us a rating on Spotify. And of course, please enjoy this episode. do it. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I'm really excited to see you and catch up. It's been a long time. Like it's been, I don't know, two and a half years since I saw you. So yeah. you're back in the United States. You love my country, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, love is a very strong word. I would say I like it. <laughs> Or I don't mind it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. So, I like it here in Colorado. Not everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. What about Silicon Valley? The last place I saw you.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the second best place.
0: <laughs> I think we both feel similarly around Silicon Valley. So no, no, you're not offending anybody. Um, so. I know. <laughs> Just to set the the stage uh, for everyone listening, um, tell me who you are and, you know, what your your work is and why the hell you're in Colorado right now. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So who I am, I'm still trying to figure it out. So I, I'm going to pass with that question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can say a few things about who I am. Um, I I am Juan Andres. Uh, I mostly go by Juan in the States, but in Peru I go by Juancho. I'm trying to spread that Juancho nickname here as well because I think I like it better than Juan. Mm-hmm. Um, so Juan Andres Coriat is my name. And I... Um, <laughs> I have I am thirty-three years old. Um my Catholic friends here would say I have I am Jesus uh age. You know, he died at thirty-three. <laughs> so that's that's what everybody has been telling me this year, twenty twenty two, uh since I turned thirty-three. Um, And I'm just saying this because that's actually part of my story Um, and part of who I am. I wanted to be a priest and I joined seminary in the Catholic Church for, and I spent like seven or eight years there Uh, from 20, wait, yeah, from 2006 to 2014 so it was a lot of time was good on 2014 I left the community left the seminary and I started um, doing film and photography Uh, that was something that I started doing when I was in seminary because I just like felt an attraction to it. my mom is a photographer. I think my mom side of my family, um, everyone ha- like everyone is an artist in some way. so I guess it's, it's in my blood. Uh, like creativity and artistic expressions uh, is in my blood. So when I was being prepared to be a priest, uh, on the side I would do like some photos and videos here and I was learning uh, how does it work like how to shoot video with a camera and then like edit it in, in the computer and stuff like that so when I left the community in 2014 2014 I decided that I was just gonna do that with my life because I had already spent like seven eight years doing something that was good but Apparently it didn't work out, (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I didn't want to take another uh, uh, risk on dedicating my life to some other thing that wouldn't work out. So I was just like, I'm just going to go with whatever I like to do, which is telling stories right? and being creative and finding cool stories, telling cool stories. So that's what I have been doing, learning. Uh, every year I learn, every day I learn, um, in the past, um, how much is it, like eight years? Um, sorry, in the past, like, yeah, like seven years, um, that's what I have been doing, film, photography, mostly film, and in the past, like, three, four years, I've been getting more into adventure, documentary films, that's what actually... Uh, I feel more passionate about adventure documentary films. Um, on the side, I do wedding films, which is what pays the most. <laughs> <laughs> because in Peru, in Peru, there's not much uh, an audience for adventure content. Um, so it's very hard to make a living from that in Peru. Um, so I've been just... Doing mostly wedding films and trying to do like personal projects, uh, personal adventure film projects, and trying to get sponsorships for that at least to cover the expenses. Um, so here I've been I've been coming to Colorado for like four years uh, because I already had some friends that were involved in some non-profit organizations in in Colorado and I wanted to come visit and do some video work for them. So that's what I did the first time like four four years ago and since then I've been just doing a little more and more and making more and more friends and I just loved Colorado because of the, the outdoors culture here. And this is the only state so far in where I've been Uh, that I consider I could live here. Uh, So this last Mm -hmm. time I have been, like, six months here. I like Mm -hmm. it. Um, Yeah, yeah.
0: So you just gave a really, like, shortened version of, like, I think you're really long and juicy story, (laughs) and I think you're (laughs) leaving out a lot of details. I think, interestingly, like... you have the film work in Colorado, but you know the last time that I saw you and you were planning on going to Colorado, you said, you know specifically, I need to go to Colorado to learn how to ski. So you are an adventure oh, yeah. filmmaker, <laughs> you know you're a mountaineer, you are a diver, like you I feel like you're an adventurer first, and you live your life that way, and then you make films and stories mm-hmm. about it second. mm-hmm. So you obviously learned how to ski. Maybe from that, you can tell where you took that knowledge and your most recent project that you're working on right now.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So what, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs>
0: tell me about skiing in Peru, <laughs> basically. Okay.
1: But I'm I'm going to talk about (laughs) I'm going to talk about a few things that you said. So I um, one of the things that I I felt uh, that I needed to bring back to my life when I left the seminary was spending more time outdoors because, as you said, I grew up diving and hiking with my dad that was important for me. And then when I was in seminary, there was not much time. So one of the things I felt I needed to do when I left this this life was get more into the outdoors. And that um, started being just something I like to do. Uh, And since I was already doing films, um, little by little, I found my way to do some adventure films and yeah, that's how I got into adventure films because I love the outdoors uh, already and I was getting into film. So uh, in the past, like in the last four years, I have been getting into mountaineering and skiing. It's been a process. Uh, Everything started with a film I made telling the story about a mountaineer guide um uh yeah a mountain guide a peruvian guy that climbed mount everest that was in 2017 and i made this film and it won a couple of awards in a festival in peru and i was like amazed because that was the first time i ever submitted a film on a, to a festival and the first time i won an award so <laughs> i was very excited and also uh that night i wasn't there because i had i was in texas actually doing some other shooting job and uh that night a lot of people like that film and they contact me some some people contacted me for other uh, outdoor films jobs or these projects that they wanted me to get involved with so this there was this guy called Eric that is a good friend of mine now and he was into mountaineering and he wanted to work on a film project with me so Long story short, I became friends with Eric. We went uh, climbing together. He taught me a bunch of things. Uh, I fell in love with mountaineering and rock climbing. And then I started learning more, making more friends. That was in 2017, 18. And I just like. Even considered like joining the mountain guides uh, school in Peru. Um, I think I still consider it. <laughs> but it's something that I really, really love. Yeah, I really like that. I really like mountaineering for many reasons. And then I I made it to Colorado for the first time that year. And I liked the mountains here. Not as big as in, in the Andes, right, in Peru. But mm-hmm. I really like the culture here. And then um, by the, like winter yeah right before we were in in california sorry right after we were in california i was coming to colorado winter of 2019 my i told my friends that i wanted to go snowboarding in here in colorado mm-hmm. i was here for a month and i told them i want to go snowboarding i would like to learn so my friend was supposed to take me snowboarding but then he 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 canceled He said, No, I can't go this day. So another friend said, Hey, let's go skiing. And I was like, Okay, let's go skiing, whatever. And then on the way to the mountains in the car, she was like, Man, skiing is what you need to learn, not snowboarding. Come on. (laughs) Like, why were you trying to learn to snowboard? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know. My friend snowboards. so, So yeah, I don't know. I've never done any. Uh, snowboarding or skiing so I want to try it out so we went skiing and I just it was just like mind-blowing for me something I was 30 and I had never skied before and I just was like I don't understand why my parents never took me skiing before why what's wrong with them like this is amazing I mean maybe it's because we don't have (laughs) ski resorts in Peru right
0: exactly (laughs) 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 and that's what uh, your project is about that's what you're you're doing with skiing peru even though you're not you know building a resort but you're using Mm -hmm. this new project to to encourage people to go skiing in peru granted it's it's backcountry skiing it's you know ski mountaineering Mm -hmm. but skiing doesn't exist in peru Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. so But also, like, congratulations, how wonderful that you found something new (laughs) at the age of 30. Like, so many people have closed off their interests by the time they get to age 30. And I think that, you know, you'll forever be a kid at heart, which is (laughs) one of the reasons uh, why I like you so much. Um, But yeah, so tell me about skiing, Peru. So,
1: uh, this first time that I went skiing, I... I was already getting into mountaineering, right? Like my first steps. So I was getting more familiar with, um, yeah, just the snow in my life in general, because in Peru, if you grow up like in the coast or even in by the mountains, you don't really get snow like outside your house. You're not really familiar with the snow unless you go very high, right? So I was getting more familiar with it, uh, with the ter- uh, glacier, terrain, and then I went skiing. And I was like, man, this is something I have to do in Peru. Like, I am loving the mountains in Peru already. I am loving being there, hiking up. Uh, Why not throw in some skiing, you know? Like, that would be amazing. This is something I need to do. I mean, and I don't understand why people is not doing it in Peru Uh, already. I need to do it. Uh, So maybe uh, it takes someone it takes me doing it (laughs) to Mm -hmm. in order to um, make people aware they can actually do it so yeah that uh, i committed to go back to colorado for a for like three or two and a half months and so i went back the day the winter after 2020 um Uh, Because I wanted to get better and I wanted to get better in order to be able to figure out how to do it in Peru, right? Um, I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes time and takes knowledge and experience. So 2020 winter 2020 I spent two and a half months in Colorado. Uh, The priority was to ski. I worked as well, but the priority was to ski and I did get a little better. And I went back to Peru, Uh, I brought my skis from Colorado to Peru and COVID hit and it was just a mess. Everything was so hard to do. Uh, And also I realized that the kind of skis that I had and boots that I had and just the whole setup I had wasn't what I needed for Peru. Uh, And I was, I kept curious and I kept like researching and asking friends and in the, last year and a half I actually have learned a lot about the different kinds of gear you can have for skiing in different kinds of terrain right so mm-hmm. uh, 2020, 2020 didn't work COVID sucked um, and I didn't have the gear um, and then 2021 last year I tried for the first time I, I, I got different gear very specific gear very lightweight um for skiing in peru and so i started skiing in peru last year and it's just it's just been so exciting i just wanted to do something about it so i can help people know uh what their possibilities are right um but the idea behind all this is to let the people in Peru know what are the possibilities for skiing in Peru and let the people around the world know what are also their possibilities to ski in Peru uh, because there's a lot of people out there that is into yeah mountaineering or ski mountaineering or backcountry skiing that they would be interested in knowing what they can do in Peru, right?
0: Yeah. Um, So to paint the picture, uh, you know, we're saying Peru over and over again. But what we're really talking about are mostly the Andes. Mm -hmm. And you've already alluded to it once, but, you know, the Andes are a special mountain range. I mean, for many reasons, they're Mm -hmm. gorgeous and, and wonderful. But also because they're a tropical mountain range, which means that, like you said earlier, they actually don't get snow mm-hmm. that far down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to go up pretty high, and these mountains are are, are really high. I think the the Andes, uh, the Cordillera Blanca, goes up to like seven thousand meters in some places, maybe. Mm,
1: not not or, seven, but more than sixty-five hundred.
0: Huascaran uh-huh. is sixty-five hundred.
1: Huascaran is okay. like sixty-six. Yeah, that's the highest, okay. yeah. But the Andes do go higher than than that. Like in Argentina, Aconcagua is 7,000 7, mm-hmm. and something.
0: Mm-hmm. And then Ojos de Salado is something like just under 7,000 in Chile. Oh, yeah. But, but interesting enough, Ojos de Salado doesn't actually have a glacier, I don't think. And mm-hmm. I, I might be misspeaking totally, but... In the Cordillera Blanca, which is where you're doing most of the skiing, the glaciers are up high. So there, and sadly, these glaciers up high are getting smaller and smaller every Mm -hmm. year. So even though there is a lot of snow in Peru, it's, it's hard to get to. There's no infrastructure. Like, it's not like, you know, I live in Spain. We have, you know, ski lifts in all of the Pyrenees. And you don't have any of that infrastructure. So really you know, doing ski mountaineering or backcountry-style skiing is really your only option. hmm Exactly. And I, I wonder, like, you know, it's not the most accessible sport. So from, I think, a knowledge base, but also from, you know, the financial investment uh, needed to, like, just get started. And, you know, I wonder you know, how you see this whole skiing in Peru developing. And, and if you have any ideas of how to kind of make it more accessible for Peruvians. hmm.
1: hmm. Yeah, um, there's a lot of things we've been talking with friends and dreaming. We are good at dreaming. <laughs> um, But so I have friends that are like, we can make a business out from this. Um, So it's hard for me to, to, to say, because on one, like in one hand, skin is not my, my only passion. And I feel kind of like this is also a personal goal. And I, after that, I would like to move on and try other things. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm really in love with base jumping. I want to get into base jumping.
0: Oh my
1: gosh! <laughs> so, it's all so. In one hand, it's like a personal goal that I want to do. I, I'm not gonna stop skiing at all. I'm just saying, commit like committing to the 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 like the duty like the challenge of uh, promoting skiing in the peruvian andes sounds like something that takes a lot of energy and time and investment Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah and i am not sure if that's what i want to do with the like in the next few years right so i'm happy to keep promoting it of course i love it um but so on one side we have that and on the other side um it's it's tricky because um I think so what first first of all what, what it takes to ski in Peru, as you were saying, like you need to walk with your skis on your backpack and hike for like sometimes three, four, five, eight hours. Uh, <laughs> in order to hit the the bottom of the glacier and then you can maybe put your skis on and walk with your skis like climb up with your skis or maybe you will have to keep carrying them to be able to climb more because it's a little more vertical and you probably rather carry them on your backpack and keep climbing instead of trying to walk with them so mm-hmm. it definitely takes a lot of energy, and it definitely in that sense, it is just for like some people that is willing to do it and is and is enjoying enjoying that activity that is not just going down but mostly going up, right So yeah. skiing in Peru takes um eighty percent of hiking and twenty percent of skiing. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you go skiing yeah. on uh, on a resort, it's probably like twenty percent sitting on in on the lift, and then eighty percent skiing. When you go backcountry skiing in Colorado, for example, it takes like fifty percent going up, fifty percent going down. So it definitely takes a lot of uh, willingness and and enjoying like to enjoy the whole process the whole activity that that means you are going up more than you're going down right so that that first and I think that would hit just like a few people like a little audience a little niche there is there are people that are into ski mountaineering with these characteristics um in Europe there's people in the states there's people in canada right so i think uh it would be easier to reach this audience outside peru um and let them know what they can do here and also with a yeah uh, usually it's people that is willing to invest more money than than people in peru especially because they have the gear already. That's the other thing. It takes a specific kind of gear. If you are born and raised in Peru and you had the opportunity to learn how to ski like in the States, in Canada, in Europe, whatever, or in Chile, but you're only familiar with uh, resort, alpine skiing, downhill skiing, that doesn't mean you are ready to go on an adventure and ski in the... In the Andes, in the glaciers, right? It takes yeah. a different kind of um, uh, physical activity and a different kind of gear that is not 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 cheap and it's not accessible in Peru. You would have to bring it from other country, right? So, <laughs> that, yeah. so to summarize all this, what I think is we can easier reach to a international international audience and probably make um uh probably what we can give to peru in this way is just like um bring more tourism into peru right and what we can do in terms of a uh, business we can probably offer the um, guide guiding service which i don't know because most people that is into this activity they don't like to be guide. They are, they are also like, they like the whole adventure of just going by themselves. Right. And they have the skills and the knowledge and the experience. So that, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. What
0: I want to know about what you just said is not so many people want to go out with guides. Mm -hmm. And I think you are definitely one of those people. You are super do it yourself. You know, both of us have, you know, friends that are mountain guides that we've climbed with in the Andes, but like I I also am the kind of person that I'm like, oh, I don't want to like pay for a guide, even though I'm not that experienced. And I think you are in, in a similar space. Mm-hmm. So How do you find these adventures? Like, what calls you to the the places that you go? And what gives you that spirit to just say, like, fuck it, I'm going to go do it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, this is also what I was going to say before is related with this. Um, What I'm doing with skiing in Peru thing is mostly a personal thing, right? So... Mm -hmm. why I want to do this and why I like doing this kind of activities in my life. I think what I found uh, like four or five years ago, when I started doing these kind of things, I started finding some aspects of myself and I started finding some uh, situations in my life that Uh, it's hard to find in other environments situations in where I find myself being weak and vulnerable and and even broken uh, you know and it's it's probably harder to find yourself being like that uh, in other environments Um, so that's one of the things that I I believe um, made me enjoy this so much because I get to experience my fragility and my I don't know if it's a word in English but my littleness like you're surrounded by huge mountains anywhere you look and you're just so little and it takes so much to even get to the bottom of the glacier, and even it takes even more to get into it, and even more to get to summit it. If you are uh, lucky enough to to do it, um, so this whole experience of being fragile and little and and just like not having everything under control, because you sometimes you plan for like, yeah, this is gonna be a cool expedition, but then like you have like Altitude sickness, or just the weather is yeah. so shitty you can't go, you can't keep going, or just someone in you're feeling very strong, but someone in your in your group feels feels weak, and you all have to go down, right? So, all these things, uh, I think people can react in different ways to all these experiences, but the way I reacted was it was um, it's it's been um, an opportunity for me to be humble more humble, and and to understand that I don't have everything under control, and to understand that I have limitations, and not only that, yeah. but to understand that having limitations is good, you know, it's not mm-hmm. a reason to, oh no, I have to be better, no, it's sometimes it's like, it's okay, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> that makes you human, and that makes you normal, and that makes you... Uh, someone that needs uh, other people around, someone that needs to share, needs to be loved, uh, needs to give in order to receive. Um, So, yeah, all these things uh, around the experience of being fragile, I think, for me personally, is what have uh, hooked me into these kind of activities the most. Um, yeah
0: I have a question following Mm -hmm. up on that so you know you grew up in Lima which is you know a coastal city Uh, you did spend a lot of the time in the mountains as a kid, but you mostly grew up going to the sea and diving. And now you've kind of shifted. You still dive a little bit, but you're mostly in big, tall mountains. Mm -hmm. So is there a different feeling when you're underneath the water versus when you're hiking up to a summit?
1: Yeah, it's definitely different. Uh, There is actually some, I would say, some common experience um of being I feel blessed, I feel very grateful. That's probably one of the common experiences. like being underwater for me is just like, yeah, it's a it's a gift. It's something that I look around and I don't have any friend growing up that I didn't have any friend growing up and I still don't have any friend that uh, have had that gift so I feel blessed, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I, sometimes I get to take my friends diving and they are like very, like free diving. Right. And they are like very, very excited, very impressed with the experience, very like grateful with me. And I'm like, man, (laughs) the fact that I've been doing this for my whole life makes me feel very grateful and very blessed. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. definitely an experience of experience an experience of feeling grateful and the same with the mountains right when I'm up in the mountains it, it takes a lot to be there like it takes uh I mean you you need to be able you need to have a, a flexible job that allowed you to go up there right take a few days yeah. off and not only just like on your vacations week or once a year but often right so that's starting with that it's a blessing and then uh being able like having found friends that had got me into it right the right friends that i could learn from that's also a blessing that's also a gift and and the gear i have probably uh, most of the gear i have i got it through partnerships i made with brands that believed in me that's another reason to be grateful for right because it's expensive, it takes time, it takes it takes uh, um, it takes um, experience, knowledge, uh, people to teach you. So I've had all that, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. And just being up there, surrounded by so much beauty, that's the main reason actually to be grateful for. So that would be probably the beauty and the and the experience of the gift that is being given to you i think that's like a common experience between the ocean and the mountain for me but it's definitely different when it comes to the physical and um, it's well the physical mainly but it's also related with the spiritual part Um, in both scenarios in both environments you need to know what you're doing right it takes experience and you should be responsible with knowing which are your limits and how far you can push someone, (laughs) right? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Or or yourself or someone else that you are bringing with you um, and being very humble. It takes takes being humble as well, as I was saying before. Um, But I think when you're in the mountains, um, at least for me, it's been... Uh, there sometimes, most of the times, there is this constant um, feeling in your whole body <laughs> that something is not right just because it's too high. <laughs> um, the, the lack of oxygen and the weight and how much your body could hurt from like the weight you're carrying or just like you didn't sleep well camping the night before but you still need to keep going. And sometimes the weather is not great. Sometimes you're super cold. Um, But there is this difference between being underwater and being up in the mountains. In where uh, I feel being up in the mountains, I feel all these physical challenges, but I know I can still go. um, And I kind of enjoy that uh maybe not in the precise moment but the whole idea around it is like (laughs) man i i mean it's it's challenging it's challenging me and and it's making me grow it's making me humble it's is um giving me uh it's it's been a blessing to be here and to get to the farthest we we got today whatever Uh, but when you're underwater at least for me when i'm cold or when when i'm cold i just can't hold my breath or when I when I am holding my breath, there's there's some limits as well, and so this, the physical challenges uh, are actually uh, a wall you can't go through. When it when it comes to f- freediving. diving, uh, the physical challenges in the mountain it is a wall that most of the times you can still go through. It's not really a wall. It's just some um, it's, it's just uh, the challenge you, you embrace, right? Mm-hmm. I guess, um, yeah, one of the things I want to do as well, um, not only, uh, I mean, after this project in Peru this year, I want to get more into freediving, like take it to a, another level and a, a more advanced professional level. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a very oh, interesting man. thing.
0: I don't know how you're going to fit all of these adventures (laughs) and hobbies into the rest of your life. I know. Jumping, free diving. Um, I know. But, you know, we've all had really scary moments in the mountains. I I know Mm -hmm. I have. I'm assuming that you have as well. I'm wondering if you've ever had a a scary moment underwater, like you thought you were going to die. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's the mo- the most scary moment in my life has been underwater. <laughs> and yeah, I was actually a kid. I was like nine years old and I was spear fishing and I tried to catch a fish with my spear gun. Right. So I was like looking in in into a hole, a little cave, and I shoot this fish um, I didn't catch it, but my spear got trapped, like just like stuck in in between rocks or something like that. And I just ran out of air, (laughs) so I had to go up. And then, like thinking, on I'm I'm just gonna come back and try to release it, right? So I went up, but the line of the spear, the the line that um, connects the spear to the gun, uh, got stuck in my leg in a like got trapped in my leg but also with a knife that i had in my leg it's like a security knife you always bring so you can actually use it to cut <laughs> things like this but this time i couldn't use it because it got stuck Around my knife, and I just felt like I was so close to the to the surface go trying to go up like two meters from the surface, and I kept pulling my leg, and I was like I was very scared because I was little right, and I couldn't hold my breath for that long as well so uh it wasn't really too critical because today I would just like take it easy, like breathe <laughs> and not really breathe, but just like take a moment and look at my leg and release it like be calm and patient and then go up it, nothing's going to happen but being a kid was very scary so I, I always remember that moment as the scariest at the end i just pull 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 harder and the knife fell off and i went up and i was like <gasps> so scared um yeah and i i got very scared then um and then i think it's scary when you are diving and suddenly you turn and there's like a huge seal lion on your side. <laughs> that's very scary. Totally. But it, it's not really risky, right? They don't have any reasons to attack you. Uh, they are just they just know sometimes that you are fishing and they are keeping an eye on you. So whenever you, you catch something, they are going to steal it from you. But that's... Um, wow. Uh, I, I don't fish anymore, so that's uh I, I had that experience before and it's just like you're exploring, you're like ten meters deep, you're exploring, then you turn and you have this huge animal next to you. That's very scary. Um Uh then up in the mountains. Uh I, well, I don't I don't I don't think I have felt that my life has been in uh, in risk. Um like in a very serious way but I remember this time like three years ago I was attempting this mountain for the second time and my friend felt sick we were going with a guide and I was like this is my second time I'm, I'm investing a lot of time and some money so why don't you just go you two guys go down, I'll just keep going by myself and I'll follow this group that is higher. I'm just going to keep an eye on them so I don't lose them and I'll just follow them. I'll be fine. Um, That was not the best, like, that was not the smartest decision and the most uh, humble and responsible because I didn't have much knowledge about how to be safe on glacier traveling. But uh, mm-hmm. I kept following this group. I kept a good pace. Um, we got mostly to the summit, but the weather got very bad, so they decided to turn back. And then they went back very fast, and I lost them <laughs> on the way down. Yeah. I lost them, and they decided to go down because it was very foggy, very cloudy, and so I lost them. And I was trying to go down, and I. I couldn't see anything and there was no really any tracks on the mountain because it was very icy. So there was not really any tracks to follow. <laughs> so oh, I, no. I felt So you didn't rope up with them like, then? No, I didn't. I didn't. I just went by myself and followed them.
0: I can't believe um, a guide let you, a novice, like not experienced mountaineer, like be on a glacier, yeah. like unroped. That's kind of <laughs> wild to me.
1: Yeah, But I'm happy you're still
0: alive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess you're not supposed to do that as a guide. But if your client, I mean, you can't decide for your client, right? I was the client and I was like, okay, you're done here. I want to go by myself. So, okay, whatever. I guess you do whatever you want. And the other group was led by a guide that was also a friend of us. So I was kind of like feeling more comfortable about that because he would let me be around uh he wouldn't mind me being around but they went fast on the way down and i lost them <laughs> that's when i got scared um and then just this this past year skiing we 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 got to some like steep icy places uh skis on in the middle of the of the wall and it's just scary i mean mm-hmm. You, you, you are not going to die most likely, but you can get hurt. And we were, I mean, I was just, I was very cautious, but it was scary though. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious about what your relationship with death is, what your, Mm -hmm. your experience of having those scary moments. Because, for instance, for me, I don't think I'm a very risky person in the mountains. I generally take the, you know, I, I'm not one to push it if there's bad weather or if there's, you know, tricky terrain. But usually after that first inkling of fear, like, I feel like immense peace. I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, well, this is my moment. Like, I'm, I'm here. I'm in this place. Like, it's my time. And I just, I kind of let go after that first adrenaline response. But what goes through your head when you're having those moments where you think, you know, you might be in danger? Mm-hmm. Do you even think about death at all?
1: Yeah, I I think there's two moments. One moment is before I always, I tend to say like, it's okay if I die. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'd rather die doing something that I like than being hit by a car, which... Could happen, you know, or yeah. an earthquake or Lima. like, yeah, <laughs> or just like, but I don't know. There's many ways one can die, right? And i rather die doing something yeah. that I like. So that's one of the things that I, one of the moments, right? There's two moments. This is one of the moments. And it's also, I also say like, for me, death is like a path to a better life. And I'm just here uh, temporarily, but what's good is coming after death. So that's kind of my my way to go. And I'm like, I don't mind dying. What I would mind is that people will be sad. Or if I have a family, uh, my kids, right? That I would leave them without a dad um, or my wife, right? So that would be another to consider um, when when I get there so the other moment is when you are actually in a situation in where death comes to your mind (laughs) like up in the (laughs) mountains right or underwater and you are like facing a very risky moment and and death comes to your mind or even getting hurt right like what I think in those moments is like oh i don't think i mind i i I didn't really mind what i said before you know (laughs) i think i do care uh, about dying um so it's more like i have a feeling of if i die today it'll be very painful like (laughs) i don't think it would be very traumatic until i actually disconnect right like I'm going to have everything mm-hmm. broken, my whole bones, all my bones are going to be broken, and I'm going to be bleeding, and very. it's going to be very bad until I actually disconnect. So I probably don't want to die right now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's the other moment.
0: So in the first part, in... In the less immediate death thoughts, you mentioned that, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a path to a better life. And I think Mm -hmm. what you're referring to there is your relationship with your faith and how you think about God. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mentioned at the top of the podcast, you know, your experience in the seminary, you know, you grew up very religious and we've had some really interesting conversations about you know, what God is and what God means. And I, of course, am not uh, a Catholic or a Christian, but it's interesting how similar our ideas were when we were talking about being out in the mountains and being out in nature. And where I'm going with this is I listened to you on another podcast that you did and you described a recent experience where you went to the summit of a mountain somewhere in the Andes, and I don't remember which one, but you described, you know, what it was like to be up there alone and how it felt like talking to God. So that very long run on question, I think, is, is to say, you know, tell me a little bit more about how your faith plays into your your outdoor spirit and your adventuring.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely grew up Catholic and then I had like a very strong Catholic formation through a number of years in seminary. And then when I left that life, I I kept having the same uh, faith. Um, But after I left uh, until today, it's been a definitely a process of figuring things out for myself and what I do believe and what I don't really. Um, And today I would say I connect. Uh, better with the Catholic faith and I like Christianity in general right Um, and I I yeah I would say uh, for like to make it easier I would say I'm I'm Catholic right or I'm Christian but deep inside I think um, my relationship with God goes a little away a little off a little off road <laughs> a little um
0: <laughs> It goes backcountry yeah. skiing. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. A little off of a little off route. Um uh and I do have this experience of being loved and blessed and uh and how do you say, supported by a, a mm-hmm. higher uh, being. Um, and it's just something I can't really explain very well, uh, especially because, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of friends in the Catholic Church and they are into theology, right? And they would have very cool ways to explain things. But uh, I I left all that. I just... Um, my own experience is just like um, I feel this 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 presence of a God that loves me and wants the best for me and has such uh, cool things waiting for me and I can experience them through my life and um, <clears throat> I just have different um, opportunities to experience this. Um, this love, I would call, right, uh, expressed in different blessings, uh, different ex- different uh, moments in my life that I feel that I just can't be more grateful, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. I just don't like to give things for granted. Uh, if that makes any sense, like, I think one of the the attitudes i developed is to be very grateful and i need to have someone to be grateful to right that's what makes more sense to me Mm -hmm. um so yeah like for example this what you were talking about me being up in 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 uh this uh mountain summit in peru this was actually the this is the, the same mountain that i uh left the group and followed the other group on my second attempt. Uh So what you are referring to was actually my third attempt, a successful one, (laughs) to get to the summit. Mm -hmm. And I had to leave my group behind, too. (laughs) It was just two of us. And I told my friend before we even left the city, I told him, I told him, if you feel sick i'm going to leave you in a safe place and i'm going to keep going because this is my first time trying to do this and he agreed with that so that happened and i left him left him on a secure place and i kept going and it was just uh, when i got to the summit after a few hours it was just like so so pretty like the the weather was the best the conditions were the best um, the view was the best, was one of the best moments in, in my life uh, of experiencing the beauty around me, the beauty of nature, the beauty of life, um, and on, at the same time feeling so fragile again, and, but so successful at the same time, right? It's, it's tricky because you achieve goals, but and at the same time you are feeling very... Very fragile, so you definitely experience some uh some blessing there some some in some ways like there's kind of no way you could have done this just by your own um so all these things together just make me fall very deep in a, an experience of um gratefulness and and feeling blessed and touched by the whole experience. Um, Yeah, and I don't know, I mean, God, that's a word that's very, there's so many ways people describe God, right? I'm talking more about the blessings, but I think at the same time I feel some call from God. Uh, I think what, what brought me to seminary many years ago it's kind of the same call I feel, I experience coming from God, saying, I need you to do something for this world. Um, and even when I'm trying to do things for myself, like skiing in Peru and probably becoming like, I'm, I'm trying to become the first Peruvian skiing, some of the most iconic peaks in Peru, or even be the first Peruvian marking world uh first ever this ski descents you know things like that that i kind of like fall in love with these ideas i want to pursue uh even then i'm trying to do something good for the world and i'm trying to in this case for example i'm trying to say like hey you can do these things if you really um commit and work hard um and there's so much beauty around that there's so much beauty on uh, working hard towards a dream. There's so much beauty, uh, on being up in the mountains and being, being surrounded by by all this nature that is just like breathtaking. Um, there's so much beauty in making a movie about that and sharing it with the world. So at the end, all these things that I feel passionate about, passionate about, uh, I do, uh, feel like it's a, Like a a call I have, like a mission, like something God wants me to do. I don't just want to have fun or make money in my life. I just, I want to do something good for the world while I'm having fun. I'm hopefully making some money. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's how I experience God in my life. Um, Like endless blessings and definitely him wanting something from me and I'm just trying to do something good for the world make my life worth it I guess
0: cool so and that the last time when you reached the summit and you described, you know, that feeling of, of being up there and talking to God, you know, you were alone, which I think helps put us in that, that space of, of being, you know, in the zone or, you know, in, in that connection. And I wonder what gave you the confidence to go up by yourself after having the difficult experience with the second attempt.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I asked myself in that moment if I was doing it um, because I, like if I was doing it with pride or being humble. And I tried to answer that question in the most um, honest way because I know sometimes uh, could be pride what leads me, I'm not really, I'm not really being humble. and I just tried to read the whole scene, right? Like it's all—it's almost done. Uh, it's almost like sunrise is coming soon. I'm gonna be able to see it. The weather forecast show showed it was gonna be a good day. Uh, the day before, uh, a few people summited the mountain, so there were tracks to follow. Um, I have more experience that I had. Two years before um, my friend is on a safe spot I'm feeling good physically I'm feeling I'm very acclimated I'm, I'm feeling strong I have the gear I need uh, to use if anything happens and I have to rescue myself from a my crevasse I have the gear I need to do that and I know how to do it so all these things um, being considered I was like Let's just do it. I mean, I I i am going to keep telling myself uh, that I, this is not about pride, but this is about connecting with beauty, connecting with God, connecting with myself. It's going to be a time for myself alone in nature at high altitude with the best view ever. Uh, it's going to be a good spiritual experience for me. So there was many reasons why I thought it was worth trying and I told myself if anything goes wrong I'm just gonna go back Um, I had a map also on my phone so I had a lot of things and experience that I didn't have before (laughs) and that gave me more confidence and definitely it was like definitely a a, like a constant um, talk with God um, and myself Um, yeah asking for clearance in my mind and asking for strength and patience and and humbleness and and gratitude so that's what it ended up being a very very beautiful experience of being up there with myself and with God and done it in the right way right so yeah yeah very, beautiful. Very pretty experience.
0: One of the most impressive things about you is you don't have this idea of it ever being too late or, you know, that you have to follow a certain path and, and you really blaze your own trail. And... You know, like you mentioned, you're 33. Like, you just learned to ski recently. Like, you know, you weren't a mountaineer all of your life. You weren't learning these things. So the fact that you have, you're have, open to to putting in the time and, and the respect and the effort to do these things is really special. And the short film that you directed, Polos Opuestos, which I don't remember how you translated the title. Was it Polar Opposites?
1: It was Opposite Poles.
0: It's a film that you did, you know, with your dad, and I think that it's really special. I've sent it to so many people, and even though it is in Spanish, it has English subtitles. So, um, you know, it's it's for the people listening to this podcast. You know, I'll put it in the show notes for them to look at. But essentially, you take this this insight that you've learned yourself that it's never too late. You're never too old. It's never past your moment. And you take your dad on this really special adventure. And I think maybe if we could close out, you know, talking about that and and what that means to you and what that experience Mm -hmm. was like.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, that was the last personal film project that I made. And um, it was the most beautiful because not not because of the cinematography, really, uh, but because of the story and because, especially for me, it was a good year uh, with my dad and it meant for us a lot in terms of reconciliation and going back to the essentials and the roots of what we love and who we are. Um, So this... What I wanted to do with this film basically was to uh, bring my dad uh, climb a a very like a beginner mountain with me and in that way I just wanted to say thank you because he was the person that introduced me in the first place to all these things Uh, growing up he was a boy scout and then when I was, like, a teenager, he tried to make me a Boy Scout, too. <laughs> and he took me on hikes and camping, and he taught me different things. Uh, he, would, he would be very excited about teaching me all these things he did in the, when he was my age, and, and he was enjoying it, doing it with me. And it was also, uh, as we didn't have, like, a great relationship growing up, Those moments were special for me because were actually the moments where we could actually connect in a better way Um, instead of doing homework at home and he getting mad at me because I didn't understand maths, (laughs) you know, things like that. So (laughs) being outdoors, being outside was was what uh, made me and my dad be able to connect uh, when I was growing up. So this film tried to just say thank you to him and, and bring him, do something with me that I'm doing now. And we don't get to spend much time together. So this, this was also um, a, a way to st- spend a good, some good time together outside, uh, as the good, like the same way we did in, many years ago. Uh, and it was very pretty because there was a few things my dad stopped doing in his life. Uh, because of different reasons, like I guess we had, we both had rough moments in my in our lives Like my parents got divorced, that was rough for me. Uh, a few other things for for my dad that were hard for him. So there's a few things he stopped doing uh, in his life, but he probably should have not stopped doing them. Uh, and these things are related with the outdoors and being in nature, being in the ocean, diving, hiking. So this uh, year together, working on this project, going on these adventures and shooting and coming up with a movie with a beautiful message, uh, that helped him realize that he put himself away from things that he loved and he probably should have not, and that gave him like a, kind of like a hope, like a like a boost also to go back to these things that he loved and he was also very grateful with me (laughs) i'm getting emotional
0: (laughs) i'm getting emotional too it's okay
1: (laughs) he so one of the conversations we had before we started shooting uh that was the the first time ever i saw my dad crying when i was 31 and It was very touching for me, very like humbling for me, but also for him, like being able to break this shell that he has and be vulnerable with me, that was very important for him in order to let go some things that he's been carrying. He he had been carrying for a long time and he was able to release some of this pressure, right? So it was definitely... Uh, a beautiful year with him and this beautifulness goes way farther like very far away from just how do do I say this like all the beauty that we experienced in that year is not really um, shown in the movie the movie is pretty it's beautiful but uh, this whole experience was special for us uh, besides, like, regardless the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, there was so mm-hmm. much that we went through doing this together. Um, and, yeah, I mean, people that have watched the film, they, they really like it. A lot of people reached out saying, thank you for doing this. Uh, I think it appeals to people in general because, every, like, everyone has a dad in some, like, everyone has a dad in a different way as well, but, um, or just like a mom or just like someone that you love and that taught you things. Right. So it's something that it's easy to connect with. Um, but yeah, besides the film itself, it was good for us. And that's actually one of the reasons I wanted to do it. Like, this is why I, this is how I come up with movies. Like I, <laughs> there's something I want to do and i think there's some beauty that can possibly come out from that to other people so i am like okay instead of just doing it let's make a movie and tell the story and inspire other people so that's exactly what it was and that's what i'm trying to do with the Ski in peru film as well um yeah i mean i just want to do these things that are beautiful are encouraging are inspiring are being good for me and for my friends around me that are helping me with it and i bet it it could be good also for an an audience that can see it on youtube right so why not just yeah also make a movie (laughs) so that's how it works for me i think
0: wonderful um how's my english is it good Oh, your English is great. Your <laughs> English is better than mine. <laughs> but you know, so the last time I saw you when you were visiting me in California, I there's something that you said that still sticks with me. And we were in the car and rodrigo jr shout out to jr uh. was in the back seat and he said hey uh so and so says hi and i miss you and you made a joke and you said "Ha! tell them i said hi but i don't miss them and then <laughs> he was like what but like how do you not miss this person and he yeah. said well i love them but i don't miss anybody I, I I love people and I appreciate them when they're around and when I have the privilege of being around them. But when they're not, I don't miss them because I go on, I live my life, and I'm I try to be present in every moment. And I was like, mm. wow, it just blew my mind. How did you? come to that? Because you are super like social, like you are like a bubbly person, like you are Mm -hmm. extremely like loving and extroverted. And how do you separate those things? Like, how do you, how do you maintain your, you know, your relationships as you're moving around the world? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. um, I think it's tricky. I think um, it's actually hard to uh, keep my relationships because some people do expect um, some like reaching out you know like hey how's it going I hope you're doing well let's, let's have like a, let's, have, let's have a FaceTime the, on the weekend what do you think you know I don't do that so some people mm-hmm. expect that and I think some of my relationships my friendships get a little probably a little weaker because I don't do that uh, but as soon as I'm back and I reach out, hey, I'm back, you want to hang out? Maybe um, we get back, what we probably lost, I don't know. But yeah, what I think, I, I think that was not really um, a decision I made. It was not really a choice I had in my life at some point, like I'm not going to miss anyone. No, I think it was mostly an attempt to understand why I naturally don't miss people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I chose not to miss people. I think I grew up feeling bad about not missing people. Um, and I, at some point, I was like, I, I don't think I should feel bad. I'm not doing anything wrong, right? I just don't feel like I miss them. I just am enjoying the company of the people that I have around me right now in this particular place and time I am now. Um, And I do have a lot of love for the people that I am not around right now. And I am definitely going to reach out when I am uh, back wherever it is that I have friends Um, and I would definitely like and love to see them and do things with them, but I am not thinking about them right now. Um, and I'm not planning adventures right now. I'm probably going to start planning adventures when I have a date to go, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I just think that's how I was born (laughs) and I think (laughs) it's not wrong. I just, um... I do have a lot of love for people. I do love making friends everywhere I go. uh, Unless I am particularly tired or or something like that, everywhere I go and there's new people, I try to become friends with them. Um, I am always, like, I always have, like, my... Like, I call, like... Or at least in Peru, we used to say, like, antennas. Like, aware. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm always trying to connect with different frequencies that I resonate with um, uh, when I'm around new people and finding ways to become friends with people and finding ways to do things with these new friends, um, share things. um. But yeah, like for example, we talk the other day, we, we tried to do this podcast for the first time and I saw your face and... Like, we had this, like, video call after, like, more than two years, and I was very happy to see you. Yeah. Um, And definitely, if I know we are in the same city someday, I'm going to look forward to, I mean, I'm going to try to get a hold of you and go for a drink or hiking or whatever. But you know, I never talked to you. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> only for your birthday, right? That's something I try to yeah. do. I mean, I try to reach out for people's birthday. That's kind of a way I have to say, hey, I haven't forgot about you. I You are important for me. So that's something I would do. But other than that, not really. I mean, you haven't really known much about me except for what I post on Instagram or when I say hi for your birthday, right? Yeah. But I I have a lot of love for you and I would definitely like to hang out with you whenever uh, we are close in the same area again. So, yeah, I just think, I don't know, I'm very grateful with my friends. Um, I'm very grateful for them and with them and I, I enjoy being around them uh i also can see like i have some friends that i know a lot of people that have very close group of friends and they are not as open as i am to make new friends so whenever they like travel or something uh, they are not like talking to everyone they are just like oh kind of like mm, I'm, i have my friends back home whatever right yeah. and they kind of just i have like this very very close group of friends and they put a lot of effort on that and and they have this, like, exclusivity experience for them, uh, I guess. But I'm not like that. I think I one of the things that I love is to make, like, come up with, uh, like, yeah, like, find ways to make my friends become friends with my other friends. <laughs> That's what one of the things yeah. that I like the most. Like, make people connect through me and then I don't have to choose between one or the other, right? We can just like have fun all together, uh, share all together. So friendship for me is very important. I really appreciate friendship and I I really think it's a very important gift in my life, the friends that I have. Um, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to talk to you after this. <laughs> and try to <laughs>
0: I, I'm going to get a call from you in like six months and you'll be like I'm coming to Europe yeah, Like, yeah. do you exactly. want to like meet up and go to the mountains and then like that's
1: exactly that's exactly, how be. that's exactly okay, how it because I'm the same way <laughs> <laughs> yeah good good yeah that's so how it works question. for me mm-hmm
0: so, you know, this podcast is called Running Towards and mostly I'll have runners on just because that's generally how I relate to, you mm-hmm. know, outdoor sports. But that phrase is more than just running. Like I think in life we're all sort of running towards something. Like in, our, in our outdoor pursuits, and our athletic practices, we're all running towards something. So what are you mm-hmm. running towards?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think there's different, different aspects on that answer. In one way, uh, what I'm pursuing in my life and what I have been pursuing in the last few years is um, becoming professional adventure films director and be able to be known in the media so I can be hired by important organizations to shoot some interesting things and tell some important stories in movies Uh, that's something I would like to become I mean I would love to be able to make a living from that right it's something that so far has Mm -hmm. been just like my own initiative and trying to find help and support and funding from different from different, from sources. But it would be great if I can just relay on that and be like something like Jimmy Chin, you know? Like he yeah. makes a living from that and it's also, yeah, I think one of the commitments I had with myself um, since I left the seminary was I'm going to make a living from something that I really love and I am really passionate about. I'm not going to do a full-time job doing like video editing for a media company or something like that. I don't want something like that. I want to do my own thing, what I love. And right now, like I have found that I love uh, the outdoors and I love telling stories so this is what i what i want to make a living from right so that's one of the ways i would answer this question like i would like i would get to a to a point in my life in where i am able to make a living from being an adventure an adventure filmmaker if that makes sense um yeah another thing that i i think i can say i'm running towards is having a family someday, uh, I would love to have kids and and teach them what I love and, and getting to see how good of a dad I can be. I think that's something that my whole life um, has been in my mind, like all the relationship I had with my dad and how it evolved and how it had hard times, better times, good times. I think I've always uh, wanted to be able to get there and, and see what I can do as a dad. And there are so many things that I love in my life today that I would love to share with my kids. Uh, so that's something I'm definitely running towards <laughs> as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many kids I will have or when, but I hope that happens. <laughs> Um, cool. other thing is definitely like I love challenging myself and I love challenging myself in adventure uh, sports so as I said I grew up free diving and that's my first love kind of like the first activity that I loved so much and I really love it and I would like to get more into it and take it serious and become a good free diver and also like get more into underwater photography but free diving underwater photography uh, which is yeah. a different thing than scuba diving right so that would be amazing mm-hmm. and maybe like i i definitely am in love with uh with the underwater world and I have never been able to live in a place in where I can explore a lot of it. Um, So last time I was in Mexico, I was like, I mean, maybe I'll move to Mexico for a couple of years and just like commit to that. And that's kind of like a dream I've always had. And at some point I need to do it. Uh, It's important for me, I think so. That's other goal I have in my life. And maybe uh, base jump. That's definitely, <laughs> that's been in my head for like 20 years, I think. I mean, cool. it was in my head for a few years. And I thought, I don't think I'm going to ever be able to do that. But in the last couple of years, I've been telling myself, I think I can do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I believe you can do it. You, you're going to do
1: it. Yeah. You're totally going to do it. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So right now I'm dating someone and she, she likes
0: Congratulations.
1: things. She likes the um, running towards a family idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she... Is she going to finally give
0: you your green card so you can
1: stay in the United States? <laughs> <laughs> finally. Uh, uh, that's actually what I've been running towards too. <laughs> the green card <laughs> no not really not really not really actually I like, since I've been spending more time in the states I, I have been able to realize how much I like I actually like Peru so I mm-hmm. I'm not really craving the green card <laughs> but,
0: but, <laughs>
1: not uh, anymore not anymore no <laughs> um yeah she likes all these adventure things as well uh she, we'll see what happens i mean it's going really well and
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah we really like each other she's coming to peru for the first time Cute. in july yeah it's gonna be fun
0: awesome well Wancho, thank you so much for sharing your time. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for your patience. This is like our third time trying to record this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for opening your heart and your mind and your thoughts. And obviously, like we're going to cross paths sometime soon. Hopefully sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I like sharing and I like sharing with you. I remember we had good conversations. And we definitely share some points of view about life.
0: That's why I
1: enjoy it. I'm very grateful.
0: Yeah, me too. Okay, well, it's really late here. I'm going to go eat dinner. (laughs) (laughs) But have a wonderful day. And uh, I'll let you know when this is all, like, wrapped up and, and everything.
1: Okay, sounds good. You have a good night and All right. good rest of your Ciao. Bye-bye.
0: So what did you think? Do you feel inspired? Can you relate? Have you talked to God in the mountains? If Juancho's story resonated with you, I invite you to take after him and try something new today without worrying about the outcome or whether it's too late in life to start something new or the sheer magnitude of the task ahead of you. So thank you for listening to episode four of Running Towards. I invite your thoughts and feedback. Please feel free to slide into my personal DMs or the inbox at, at Podcast on Instagram. And I look forward to seeing you here next time.